You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ in others, and grows together in our faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the second Sunday after Pentecost, June 6, 2021, by the Reverend Lex Breckenridge, Rector at St. Thomas. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. The crowd came together again so that Jesus and his disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And he called to He called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was standing around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. On a warm June night, some 22 years ago now, I was sitting in St. Michael's Church in Austin, listening to the words of the prophet Isaiah that Janine read for us a moment so beautifully. The occasion was my ordination to the priesthood, and it was my oldest son, Alexander, who was reading the text. In midlife and in the midst of a completely different career, I was responding to what had been an insistent call on my life for many years. A call I had resisted, a call I had denied, a call I had deflected, and a call I had hidden from. But finally, in no small part due to the patient, insistent urging of my much smarter than me spouse, a call I had answered. Uprooting my family, leaving a career behind, moving to a strange place to go to graduate school at my age, I'd answered what I had perceived to be God's call on my life. Now, lest you think I'm romanticizing this call, let me point out that as I sat in St. Michael's that night listening to Alexander read the prophet's story of his divine encounter, 
The words that really struck home to me were not, here am I, Lord, send me. No, the words that really struck home to me were, woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man with unclean lips. In that moment, it was crystal clear to me that I really had no idea what I was getting myself into and my family with me. You ever had an experience of feeling as if you've lived a lifetime in the space of just a few seconds? As I heard my son reading these words, I was experiencing at once my own smallness and unworthiness right alongside the awesomeness of the transcendent power and majesty of the creator of the universe, the one sitting on a throne high and lofty, the one whose robe hem filled the temple, the one who filled all of creation with a presence like no other, the one whose glory covered the face of the earth. And there I sat, a man with unclean lips. And believe me, I felt that hot burning coal touching my lips that evening. And yes, I did hear a booming voice saying, whom shall I send and who will go for me? But let me assure you, I did not say in return, here am I, send me. No, what I said in my imagination was, well, I'll try. And so I've been trying now for the last 22 years, trying as best I know how to get myself out of the way and be a channel for the love and the power and the passion and the grace of the Lord of hosts and of the incarnate one, Jesus the Christ, that I've experienced my whole life. It's often been hard for me to get myself out of the way. There have been times when I may have confused my own agenda with Jesus's agenda, and I hope you'll pardon me for that, but still, I keep trying. Because what else could I do? While the legal profession is a noble one, and I'll fiercely challenge anyone who says differently, it wasn't me. It wasn't my calling. In fact, in those 16 years of law practice, I recognized that I was happiest and most fulfilled when I was teaching. Teaching at the law school, teaching at Trinity Church. Because to me, you know, teaching is all about walking alongside another human being. Walking alongside and trying to draw out of that person who she or he really is, their true self. So I finally allowed myself to recognize, once again with an insistent push from my darling Zani, that my true self, the fulfillment of my purpose, was going to be most fully realized, most deeply lived out as a priest of the church. The church I grew up in, the church that formed me, the church that has always felt like home. So. That's what I've been about these last 22 years, trying to reflect and share some of the grace that's been given to me by the maker of heaven and earth. Not always succeeding, as for damn sure, but always trying. And so, my dear sisters and brothers, it's become clear to me that the time has come for me to walk yet another path. I've been among you as the rector of this place for 12 years now, the most rewarding, fulfilling, meaningful 12 years of my professional life. 
I'm also approaching my 70th birthday in December, which, by the way, is astonishing to me since the last time I checked, I was 35. <laughs> so the time's come for me to step aside. The time's come for me to let go of this role so I can be more actively engaged in the lives of my children and grandchildren, to travel, to do some reflection and writing, to slow down and be present to the beauty of creation. So I will retire as your rector, effective September 1, which is the 12th anniversary of the beginning of my tenure at St. Thomas. Now, Zani and I aren't actually going anywhere. We'll continue to live in Bellevue. After all, our youngest children, Robert and Jesse, who I'm so happy to see right now, uh, live and work here. And when they came out here from New York City three, year, three years ago, they said, hey, we're coming out here to be with you. You can't go anywhere. Well, you can't say no to that, can you? But we will have more time to travel to New Orleans and Austin, where our other children and grandchildren live, and for me to be more present in their lives as they grow up. It's also time for a new rector to bring fresh vision to St. Thomas as this community continues to grow and evolve into the church of the 21st century. There's a significant opportunity for a new visionary rector to help guide this process. But let me be clear. There already exists at St. Thomas committed, spirit-filled leadership among you, our community, among our vestry and our very talented staff. Indeed, we've gathered the most talented staff with whom it's ever been my privilege to serve. And our vestry members have a robust dedication to gospel mission and ministry and offer the community a wide array of professional experience and skill. Our wardens, Margaret Charlton and Jonathan Burks, and by the way, I can't tell you uh, how grateful I am for their leadership. We could not have uh, more capable, caring, faithful, professional leadership than Margaret and Jonathan are offering us. And they've been in conversation with uh, Canon Ariane Davison, who's the diocesan officer in charge of clergy transitions, and the diocese is providing wise guidance and support, including locating candidates for interim clergy leadership as the parish moves forward to discern and call the next rector. St. Thomas is in excellent care and is well positioned to meet the challenges and opportunities in the days and months and years to come. And I can assure you that this is a very attractive position. So there will be no shortage of highly qualified candidates to lead the parish in the next stage of its growth. You've heard it said many times that the one constant in life is change. The Apostle Paul in his second letter to the church in Corinth we read from a moment ago is addressing that. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, Paul says, even though change is constantly happening, our inner nature, our true selves, that which is sturdy and durable and everlasting is being renewed day by day. <clears throat> in the midst of change, we are being prepared for the eternal weight of glory. He says, don't you love that? The eternal weight of glory. So rectors come and rectors go. We, each one of us, we come and we go. But this community, 
this gathering of the faithful and the trying to be faithful, this place of invitation and welcome, this place of healing and reconciliation and refreshment and renewal, this community will thrive as long as it continues to listen to and respond to that voice which is ever calling, whom shall I send and who will go for us? My dear friends, over the course of the summer, we'll have plenty of opportunities to say goodbye. There are rumors that there might even be a party or two. I don't know if you can imagine that. But let's make sure we say our goodbyes. I'll admit right now that I'm feeling a lot of sadness and loss and excitement and anticipation all at once. I'm, you know, as the kids say, I'm feeling all the feels. Yet in the end, healthy, God-filled goodbyes always leave us filled with hope. They allow us to see that God has something new for us just around the corner. God-filled goodbyes allow us to see that each chapter of our lives doesn't end with a period, only a comma. God always has a new chapter waiting. So, my dear friends in Christ, you whom I love so dearly, Zani joins me in saying the first of what I imagine will be many goodbyes over the summer. But for now, let me leave you with this prayer from the 1928 prayer book. It's an old one, but it's a beautiful one. It's a prayer for the clergy and for the people. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, from whom cometh every good and perfect gift. Send down upon your clergy and upon the congregations committed to their charge the healthful spirit of thy grace, and that they may truly please thee, pour upon them the continual dew of thy blessing. Grant this, O Lord, for the honor of our mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ, our Lord. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website, www.stthomasmedina.org. That's a www.stthomasmedina.org.